Third-party purchase power agreements. What does that mean and what could it mean for Missouri? We'll find out more on this week's Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus. Your look at energy policy in Missouri and beyond. I'm James Owen. I'm the executive director of Renew Missouri. Uh, we are joined here in our Columbia studio by a very special guest, uh, Angelou Lenars, our St. Louis director and counsel. Andrew, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we had you in your St. Louis office back in September, so that actually you're here in Columbia is exciting and welcome back to your old place of work. <laughs> ah, yes. Very good to be back. Yeah, and uh, running the boards, uh, as always, or as usual, is Elizabeth Gower. Elizabeth, how are you? I'm good. Great. Okay, so let's jump right into this. Um, we have, uh, for those of you who have been kind of following our candidate education uh, podcast that we've been doing over the fall, you know that we have a legislative session coming up in Missouri here in about a month. I believe they start on January 9th. Uh, which is a little over a month and a half uh, from where we're sitting, uh, and uh, from the last uh, from the from the election results in 2018, we just did an email about this. And in case you're not subscribed to our renews, you need to do that right now. Uh, where we basically showed that out of the 163 state reps, we still have the same amount of Republicans, the amount of Democrats as we did uh, last session, same amount of Republicans and Democrats in the Senate. So we've got. Uh, pre-filing, uh, which means that lawmakers can start filing bills in the next week. Uh, and one of the things that we're going to be working on, and one of the things that Renew Missouri has worked on, and one of the things Andrew has spent a lot of time in the past couple of years working on, is this concept of third-party purchase power agreements. Now, a good question to ask is, what is that? In case in case any of you don't know, because I know. And I know. And, and Elizabeth knows. <laughs> sure. Well, so when you talk about a power purchase agreement, a PPA in shorthand, you're talking about, uh, usually you're talking about a third party power purchase agreement, right? So the first party being the utility, the second one being the customer. And now with the advent of really cheap renewables and yeah. other sources of, of power, you've, uh, you've got this ability for... Uh, like let's say renewable developers, wind or solar companies to strike a deal with a large customer for a uh, basically a guaranteed fixed price over the long term. And, uh, you know, depending on the, the price level, this can be really beneficial to companies because they can look out 20 years and know what their cost is going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, so this is so basically this would allow larger companies that can negotiate these kind of prices and can afford this sort of thing the ability to, in essence, make their own power. Make their own power or purchase it from a right. company that, that develops yeah. these resources, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, and there are, um, now, I mean, there are other states that are doing this. Uh, like, what are some of the examples that might be relatable to Missouri about, like, who's doing, who's who's got the ability to do this? Like, Yeah, so there's, there's uh, in the utility universe, there's, a number of different styles of states. We are a, a vertically integrated, uh, regulated state. Yes. So that's kind of the standard for the Midwest, excluding Illinois. Which is deregulated. But they Which don't call it that. They always call it like restructured or something. 
Right. So uh, a regulated state means you got one choice of utility. Yep. It's a designated monopoly by the uh, by the state government. Yep. And so that means that you you don't have a choice of where you're buying your power, and the utility has control over a, a specific geography, and its various states have totally deregulated, like California and Illinois, and people have the choice of where they buy their their power, and various other states have enabled it in certain areas or for certain technologies or right. for a certain percentage of the uh, of the utility. So that's like Iowa. Iowa has uh, a, a version of this, yeah, yeah. and uh, Michigan has, I think, up to ten percent. Uh, the the utility um, their customers can up to 10% of the utilities power they can uh, purchase from from wherever. Right. So yeah, so I mean, but we so since we are you know, since we are this vertically integrated state, we have we are regulated uh, which when we talk about regulations that means we regulate the generation of power, transmission of power and the distribution of power. And a lot of states that are deregulated or restructured in a classical sense all they still regulate the distribution of power mm-hmm. that's right right so so that's not something like when it's going into your house that's not something that's like totally deregulated so in a state like missouri this idea that a business like let's give an example of well let's say our friends at walmart walmart sure. is a is a company and hi steve chris if you're listening we work with steve chris who's out of their uh, corporate headquarters in bentonville um they have an interest they would like to see the ability to have solar panels on their stores. Right. And fun fact, I looked this up over Thanksgiving. How many stores does Walmart have in the U.S.? Oh, in the U.S. I, I know they've got like like about 430-some-odd stores in Missouri, I think. Uh, I don't know oh, how many. That many? Okay. Yeah, I don't know how many they have in the United States. It's like 5,000, and then they have 11,000 internationally. The world's largest retailer, right? Them and, them and Amazon. Jiminy Christmas, that's a lot of people. Yeah. That's a lot and of that's stores. that's a lot of stores. That's yeah. a lot of power, right? So. And that's a lot of power. I mean, you're talking about, like, for a super center, you're talking about, anyway, like, you'd be like $80,000, $90,000 a month in your electricity bill. Right. That's a so, lot of zeros. So a lot of zeros. Any adjustment they can make there on a, a lower rate or... Almost as importantly, a more stable rate for them, it's going to make a big difference. So they got a big interest here. Uh, and just using Walmart as an example, you know, what they would really like to see happen is the ability to go out to the open marketplace, sign a contract with, say, a big wind developer, mm-hmm. and say, we want a piece of a 200 or 300 megawatt wind farm, and uh, let's sign a, an agreement. It'll be a set price, and that price for wind is cheaper and cheaper these days over 15 years or over 20 years and then they'll know essentially what they're paying for power for that that time period they'll be insulated from uh natural gas prices from coal prices from whatever's going on at the psc um so that's really attractive for these large companies right and so like as now we understand why a business like walmart or general motors or even the U.S. Army, who we also have worked with, and they've signed a letter of support to this to lawmakers. I mean, is and generally to the public, what what what? Why should they want to see a state like Missouri get behind something like this? I mean, what are like them the overall policy things that are going to be helpful uh, to everybody, not just these businesses? Yeah, well, you know, here at Renew Missouri, and as renewable advocates, we think transitioning to renewables is going to help everybody because it's going to eventually be bringing rates down. Right. Uh, as utilities are retiring these old dinosaur plants uh, and replacing them with cheaper technologies, you know, we're really hoping, and coupling that with efficiency, we're really hoping that's going to bring the, the whole cost of power down. Yeah. So obviously that benefits everybody because there's uh, 
there's less rate base in there. But you know, when you're talking about this universe of better access to renewables, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things for small businesses and uh, residential customers as well. So you're th seeing things like community solar beginning to, de to develop, and that's right. probably not at the level of cost effectiveness where we'd like, but we think with certain policies, we could get it there really quick. Yeah. yeah. So just to clarify for our audience, third power party purchase agreements would not have many impacts on small business or residential customers, right? I mean, unless rates in general went down. When you're talking about these big agreements, usually you're talking about the large customers who yeah. really would like to get a major piece of a uh, development and lower their, lower their power. There's a, other tools that you can use for, like community solar, you can use for residential customers. But that third-party power purchase agreement conversation is about the big industrial and commercial yeah. customers, yeah. Good question, though. And one of the things we might send out, you know, talking about other businesses that are interested in this, like we might send out a link to the YouTube video of Jeff Bezos. Mm. Bezos. I can't get that name right either. He's He runs Amazon. <laughs> mm -hmm. And there's a video of him. I think I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a name. Go look. He's, he's, he's going places, He's a folks. bajillionaire. Yeah, he's going places. Uh, he was a there's a video of him on top of a wind farm that Amazon owns yeah. in Texas, and he's christening it with a champagne bottle, and it's a wind farm that Amazon uses to like power their their operations yeah. in Texas. And so we'll send that out so you can know what the capability of a corporation is and what they need for this. It's kind of exciting. Yeah, and when they did their big uh, HQ2 push, you know, everybody was chomping at the bit to yeah. get a shot at that headquarters. And uh, one of the pieces of that was we need access to cheap renewals. And the reason for that is they're looking at their server costs and stuff over the next, you know, a couple decades. And renewables provide that low-cost and stable pricing option. Yeah, and, and so this sounds really great. I can't imagine anybody being against this. Uh -huh. But there are, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, who would that yeah. be? Well, so obviously in a state like Missouri, the big Fortune 500 uh, power companies, the utility companies, carry a lot of water. And now we have two in Missouri with the recent merger um, of Kansas City Power and Light and Westar. Yeah. Uh, their new company is going to be called... Evergy. 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 Yeah, and uh, that'll be that'll make them the size, not quite the size of Ameren, but we have Ameren on the east as well. So they're able to uh, throw a lot of weight around Jeff City. And obviously, when you're having, uh, if you just had a clean contract between a renewable developer and a customer, that takes away a lot of the sales from the utility. So this presents a situation where the utility is going to be uh, motivated to not let anything happen where they're they're going to be losing a lot of sales because they need to be able to recover the energy the uh, money they've invested in plants so any solution here we really think needs to make the utility whole for the use of their transmission lines and so that they're not missing a whole bunch of sales by something like this mm -hmm. so and, and so, in, you know, and I know that in in previous years that we've just done this it's kind of a straight thing where it's like the you know, the business or the entity can go get these this equipment from anywhere. But we have kind of introduced an idea, and I want to talk about this a little bit, of a sleeved yeah. PPA. And that's something that we think might be a little more palpable to utility companies. And why don't you explain what that concept is? Yeah, and generally a, a sleeved power purchase agreement is when uh, the 
renewable developers selling the power to the utility and the utilities then honoring the contract and selling the power to the customer. So it's they're kind of a pass-through. And the reason why that is better for the utility is they get to recover uh, the money there that's going on. Like they, they, they get a certain rate of return on what um, they're on that money transaction. Right. So they're not out that, that amount of sales. Yeah. Because I think it's important to kind of backtrack a little bit with that is, you know, I mean, when we talk about rate of return, utility companies, they when they go in and for a rate case, when they want to increase rates on their customers, I mean, one of the things that they're trying to recover on that is they've built something or they've invested in something and they not only want to get recovery for that, but they also want to see an additional amount uh, this rate of return, and it's usually anywhere like around the country, right, nine to ten percent. Yeah, and it's different if you're. Uh, there, there's different rate of returns depending on what the investment is. If it's a generation investment, like a power plant, you get that. Yeah. Nine to ten percent. If it's more uh, transactional or or like a power purchase agreement, I believe it's a lower two or three percent. Yeah. So. That matters to them. Yeah, so that matters because, I mean, they're able, I mean, they that is how they make a rate of return. That's how they are able to satisfy their shareholders. And so the idea of some other party uh, being able to come in there, plop this equipment down, and do that, that's where it has a concern with their business model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what you would, what this would be proposing, the sleeve PPA concept, would try to alleviate that and say, well, this is still something that the utility company can claim and still be able to make a little bit of money off of. Yeah, and they would own the asset and uh, yeah, be able to, to charge for it in rates. And, uh, and it, there's, a, there's a number of ways you could do this. You know, there, it, as Elizabeth was asking, like, there's, there's got to be ways for not just the big customers to benefit. So there are various proposals out there, um, not so much in Missouri yet, but we're interested in them, of the utility owning smaller rooftop solar right. and being able to uh, charge... The rate get the rate of return for a power plant the same there and various things like that. I mean, the key here is to make sure that the utility is not uh, taking a bath by all these renewables coming onto the grid, but they're also able to profit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, because I know that is a critique that you hear people say about this. Because one of the things that we get approached when we come out there, we talk to lawmakers and we talk to um, policy people around the Capitol, and they say. Well, if, like, say, Walmart, which is spending all this money on electricity rates, were to somehow, you know, make their own power, yeah. then isn't the utility coming out to raise rates on everybody else? Right. And, yeah, and that's the discussion about distributed generation. So that's the rooftop solar situation where, you know, there's not even an exchange with the utility company. It's all so-called behind the meter in quotes yeah and uh you hear that a lot behind the meter in front of the meter and behind the meter basically means that that's something that you're being produced it's like something that's i mean you basically said it independent of the utility company right and and people can do that right now i mean you're seeing people do that uh the larger people with really big roofs you know a a megawatt behind the meter and stuff that that's uh totally legal the utility does not have jurisdiction over that stuff the argument that some people like utilities might put forward is well, you're reducing our sales, and we're having to raise rates on everybody else, and yeah. that's that's really we don't. I, first of all, I don't agree with that, but there's a nationwide debate going on about that because there's a general discussion about the value of solar. when you create a 
a kilowatt of solar energy, what other benefits is that having to the grid? What cost is it avoiding right. in the utility system and things like this? Especially when you're net metered and there's kilowatt hours flowing uh, back and forth. That has a value to the utilities. So, Elizabeth? So if you're following your train of thought, though, in that theory, rates wouldn't increase as much if you take in the value of solar account, right? Yeah, there's a savings there on the utility side. So Yeah, I think, yeah, it's important, I think, for people to realize, and if you're, like, kind of trying to get up to speed on the policy here, we're not talking about people going off the grid. We're talking about people who are still going to be connected to the grid, and ultimately power is going to be going back on the grid. Now, utility companies would say, oh, my gosh, we can't control that. We don't know what it's going to look like. We can't promise it's going to be reliable. But, I mean, they go get... They get sources of electricity from all sorts of different areas. They go get it from other states. They would be sure. getting it from essentially the same people, though, theoretically, correct? What do you well, mean? The same developers that would go sell to Walmart right. could also enter into a contract with the utility themselves. That, and that's been the dominant business model for most of yes, the regulated yeah. states, right? So Ameren is making big investments in wind, and they're going through a uh, wind company, and Empire's doing the same, and uh, KCPNL. So... The question here is, do we want the renewable demand to be only being met by with what utilities go out and contract for? Right. Or do we actually want to give the people who have these renewable appetites the ability to go strike deals? Because when Missouri is a great example of this. We have companies, we've already mentioned Walmart, but we have companies like GM, Cargill, P and, uh, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, General Mills. These all have uh, presence in Missouri. And unfortunately, they're not paying us for these plugs. No, no, they aren't. <laughs> no, we, we wish they were. But we uh, but they all join have... our real council. Oh yeah, well we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. that's right. Good plug. <laughs> yeah, that was a good plug. But so all of these companies, to <laughs> want some degree or other, AB InBev, you know, they all yeah. have a hundred percent or some sort of renewable energy goal. Right. I mean, a lot of future. companies have that, especially ones that are based here in Missouri. I mean, I guess AB InBev isn't technically based here, but they have this 100% renewable energy goal, and they're going to Oklahoma to get this. Right, and that that's a virtual PPA. So what that means Ooh. there is you're, they're, they're paying for the uh, share of the wind farm to be built elsewhere. But, of course, that power is not coming to Missouri. It, right. It, not technically coming to Missouri. They're not seeing any uh, sort of benefit savings-wise. They're, they're sort of stabilizing their bills in a way, but it's, it's virtual. It's not the same as a delivery of power. So right. then who's actually providing their power? Ameren? Yeah, they're still getting their service from Ameren. Yeah. Because yeah. Ameren has the transmission lines? Right. Right. Yeah, so it's all very kind of um, illusory. Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? I can't pronounce illusory, it. Right. Yeah. yeah, I can't. Well, in, in the case of like Walmart or GM or 3M or any of those companies, if they were to enter into a third-party power purchase agreement, would they be able to get all of their power from those third parties or would they still have some... Uh, you know, power bill with the utility. Well, yeah, I mean, ultimately, they're hooked up to, unless we deregulate Missouri, which is a separate concept. And, and nobody is, like, yeah. really that keen on doing. Right. Uh, unless unless that happens, then they're always going to be getting their service from Ameren. So it's a yeah. finite, it's, it's a, a bit of a legal fiction, but what we want is for those businesses to be able to pay for the power that they want, right, and be charged for that power. So they're always going to have to pay some share for the infrastructure because we want Ameren's grid to keep running, obviously. But the point is we, we can't ignore these technologies. I mean, the, the price of wind has come down so much, and it's so much more stable 
than mm. than uh, coal, you know, like spotting the price of coal or natural gas on the market that we're just not going to be able to deny this. And these companies are hungry for it. They see the value in this stable pricing and this low pricing. And uh, yeah, sure, they can build solar on their facilities, but that's not the most cost-effective way to do things right. always. And, you know, there, there's a real argument here for freedom of choice as long as it's not harming the grid. So that's Yeah, and I, I think that's another thing that when, you know, people, I think historically, and I think Renew Missouri, even before I, you know, even before the past couple of legislative sessions have always tried to promote this, it's not just about environmental aspects. But there is an issue of, like, shouldn't you have some sort of ability to control where you get your power and how you get your power and how that power is made. I mean, and, and for a state that is conservative, like Missouri is, I mean, it seems like that would have appeal to the public. Now, whether it has appeal to people who are influential in Jefferson City, that's a different question. But they mm. should be representing their constituents' interests. Oh, conceptually, that's correct. Uh, but does that actually happen? Is James? that an, is that illusory or a legal <laughs> fiction? I don't know. Yeah. It's a good. I mean, no. <laughs> of course, of course, people, state reps and state senators are coming up here, and they are, you know, they are representing their constituents. I mean, you know, for a state rep, you're representing around thirty five, thirty six thousand people. A state senator is about mm, what one hundred and fifty thousand people, um, ish. We so, don't have our policy expert on Yeah, here. our policy expert is is remaining mum in the uh, in the corner, but we're not sure he can <laughs> hear this. Um, he, he, he's doing sound checks. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that you're going up there and representing them, but they also, there are special interests who have this information. And so, like, when you're a state rep or state senator, you have to know about budgets. You've got to know about the criminal code. You have to know about social issues. And, Healthcare. Yeah. Pardon? Healthcare. Yes. Of course, healthcare, and they've got to know all this stuff. And then when it comes to, they have to also know about utilities, energy policy. Sometimes they're like, "Well, can someone just explain this to me?" And one of the things that it's important for why Renew Missouri has to go to the uh, go to the legislature. Oh, here comes the plug, uh, is because we need to help educate lawmakers about this, and we can only do that with support from you, uh, our listeners. Uh, so please give that money because we can't use grant money. As a 501c3, grants and the government have restrictions on using funds for lobbying, just in case you did not know. Thanks for the disclaimer. And uh, yeah, I mean, so so that's like right now when we're doing this year-end appeal, that's why we're asking uh, for money uh, from our supporters. Is And that primarily goes to a lot of our lobbying work. And speaking of one of our supporters, oh, we yeah. have a sponsor it, of this podcast. Our first one, James. It is time uh, to, uh, to unveil that. Uh, we have talked a little bit about the Real Council here, which is allowing businesses and individuals that if they want to do things like sponsorship and get professional development uh you can get all this uh, online from us i think you can uh, it uh, is on our website oh good at renewmo.org yes and if you get to you get to have copy like this where i say this podcast is brought to you by sun solar ranked number one fastest growing solar company in missouri start saving money on your electric bill with sun solar thank you sun solar bada bing bada bing there you go. And now you'll also get Elizabeth's um, uh, her sound effects her for that catchphrase. And a catchphrase. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. Yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, so that's why that's why it's important that yes, we do have these representatives 
but we have to go and try to educate them on this because, like I said, they have, I mean, the budget is always the primary thing that a lawmaker is worried about. You're basically talking about a $28 billion operation, which we do in the state of Missouri, which is a lot of money, and there's a lot of agencies that come under that. So, yeah, they're not going to know about this stuff, which yeah. is why we got to be there. And in my experience, and I think it's probably your experience too, is when you, when you do broach this issue for the first time with a lawmaker, it's not too hard to understand. You say, look, these private businesses... They have an option they, that they would like access to in the marketplace. It's going to save them money. It's going to uh, make things more predictable for them, for their power consumption. And they don't have the ability to access it. And we and it, uh, these solar and wind companies, they want to create jobs. They want to be able to strike a deal in the market. Other states are doing this. And uh, Missouri, I think, is ranked 32nd in this corporate Clean Energy Procurement Index put out a couple years ago. 32nd out of 50 states. That stinks. Our, uh, a couple of our neighbors, Illinois and Iowa, are number one and two. Yeah. Texas is in the top 10. Ohio's in the top 10. And by the way, not liberal states. I mean, you. Exactly. I mean, well, Illinois is. Uh, but, I mean, you're talking about Iowa. You're talking about Texas. You're talking about Ohio. Those are Republican-leaning states. I mean, this is right. so. This is not. We're not talking about Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, and so, when people hear that, you know, disclaimer: Berkeley is not a state. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> yes. yeah, Elizabeth also does her continuity. The more you know here <laughs> yeah. on the new girders. But Andrew, it sounds like what you're talking about with legislatures is a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah, so it it does sound like a no-brainer that the objections that people raise, which are reasonable, are okay. This is going to cost ratepayers a whole bunch more, and we think we have an answer for that. Uh, or how are we going to pay for the grid if everybody gets their power from these other things? We have an answer for that because we're not talking about behind the meter solar. We're talking about major wind farms uh, owned by the utilities. That would only benefit a small sliver of customers, correct? Well, I mean, you can go into other things like uh, like uh, Ameren's uh, new subscribers solar. What, what's it called? Uh, solar subscription. Renew- I think they call it community solar, but that's not. And renewable choice is their, renewable their larger choice. green tariff program. So, yeah. you know, it there there are ways to have renewable access for all customers and you know Ameren has done a good job go- going into the larger customer uh, sector with their renewable choice program they're, they have a pilot now for community solar um, so we, we think all sectors should be tackled but the one that really makes sense where there's a lot of renewable demand clamoring for these deals is the corporate sector yeah and right. I don't see any reason why we can't get that done in a way that doesn't explode rates for everybody and in a way that does that pays for the grid so yeah so and i mean and you know for just for your reference we did a special live uh podcast uh, with emily Pyantech on the uh Ameren community solar we we're trying to get residential customers and small businesses to subscribe to that we hear that's going very well that they're well over i think getting closer to 80 percent or something like that uh, yes if you're in Ameren territory get it now go uh go to our website we've got links there go uh Search Ameren Community Solar and sign up for your your blocks of energy. Uh, that's a really good way of investing in local renewable energy, and especially maybe, if you can't put rooftop solar on your house. Exactly. Yeah. The easiest way to find that is via our renews emails on our Ooh. blog. So yes. that's the quickest way to find it on our website. Yeah, get on that renews uh, email list. Uh, and you also mentioned the renewable uh, choice program that Ameren's doing. And, and this is kind of where I want to, you know, talk a little bit about distinguishing this. All right, so Ameren has this program going on right now. KCPNL on the western side of the state just got approval from the Public Service Commission mm-hmm. to do their version of it. 
Uh, Westar, who is now part of KCPNL under Evergy, they have a very successful program on this. And it's basically where uh, a large corporate uh, or institutional uh, business can sign up um, and get re- renewable energy delivered to them directly from the utility. Yes. So that's a program out there. Now, it costs a little more money on your utility bill. Um and that's obviously something that uh, businesses are trying to avoid. They want lower uh, utility bills, not higher. Yeah, I mean, it should. It's important to note there is it costs more money than a private PPA, and we it right. very well may end up saving the participants money, especially over the long term, because you get to lock in your rate for for fifteen years. Um, but at the moment, it's looking like a wash or you know slight premium. Uh, it might be a savings. So yeah, I mean there is that yeah, there is that fifteen year thing that we also got to consider as well. But I guess for the people that are listening, I mean, what would be the advantage of having a third party PPA versus being enrolled in this green tariff? Well, unfortunately, the the case is here that well, not unfortunately if you're a solar company or a wind company, but the private renewable industries are just way better at building and making deals for these wind farms and, and solar companies. In terms of price, they're much more competitive. Um, monopoly utilities are very good at interfacing with the government. They're very good at serving their customers and uh, reducing outages and things like that. In terms of getting bids, competitive bids, they're not as good. So right. we really feel that we need a law in Missouri that lets customers, large customers, and renewable companies strike deals with each other and then we find a way to make the utility whole out of the proceeds of that deal. We think that's going to be a much cheaper way for companies and large institutions, you know, hospitals, universities, to um, have a long-term power purchase agreement that saves them money. We're really just trying to facilitate capitalism here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, um, we have, we've we've had this bill, I mean, we've called it the Missouri Energy Freedom Act uh, that we've introduced before. Um, I know that we've had some reliable um, state reps and state senators, supporters of ours, um, introduce this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen versions of it. I think um, I don't can't remember if it was Representative Miller, or Representative Barry last year, who introduced like, kind of a stripped down version of this and kind of a modified version of this in the House. Uh, Senator Romine, uh, who has never really been someone who is is really focused on renewable energy or anything like that, but he is also. You know, very much in favor of consumers uh, in the utility world. He actually put this uh, Missouri Energy Freedom Act into a larger bill. Unfortunately, um, we've never really seen any of these head to a committee. We've had Republican and Democratic support. This is a bipartisan uh, piece of legislation, uh, but we never seem to get it heard. But, I mean, we're always, like, working and seeing if we can get that done, and we're hoping that we can do that this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, you know... That, like in previous years, there's always been a big focus on Ameren and KCPNL and Empire have had this big grid modernization bill. Uh, Senate Bill 564 passed last year. That's no longer something we're going to be dealing with. I mean, do you have some hope that maybe, you know, uh, lawmakers will be interested in these smaller issues now that, that that elephant's out of the room? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Uh, there's Certainly, the demand hasn't gone anywhere. You know, Ameren has rolled out this green tariff program, which gives somewhat of an option, but there's still the case that there is cheap renewables to be had out there, and companies can't get at it. And that problem's not going to go away until we give them a way to get at it. So, uh, for, at least from the private sector, from the consumers, that pressure is always going to be on. And if we can figure out a way for the utilities to feel okay 
uh, and be able to recover some money for the use of their transmission, uh, I think it's going to be more and more attractive. So it's a question of whether the leadership wants to take the issue on. Something we haven't mentioned is, you know, this is, it, we're talking about exponential growth in the renewable sector here. So that means thousands of jobs yes. that, that aren't here in Missouri right now. Yeah. And economic activity, you know. Some of the fastest growing jobs in the country involve solar and wind. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and you're, you're seeing there's an opportunity there, especially... You know, you could be building, you know, you're talking about these are going to be in data centers, distribution centers, and those are going to be in areas that aren't urban centers. They're not big cities. They're going to be out there in places where the unemployment rate's higher, the poverty rate's higher, and there could be a way to really bring benefit to economically depressed areas of the state. Yeah, and you know, you saw these big Facebook deals go down in Iowa. Yeah. Why is Iowa attractive? Well, it's yeah. attractive because they have low rates up there and they have access to the this amazing wind resource yeah. they know that the price of wind is going to be what it is yeah for 15 years i mean apple apple invested 1.2 billion dollars in iowa and they did it because all their data centers they have a commitment that all their data centers are going to run off sustainable energy they can't do that here right sorry has cheap rates but we do have cheap rates of, compared to the Midwest. That's true, um, and I, you know, and I know that there was a lot of concern that five sixty four was going to somehow change that. I mean, that's still too early to see what's going to happen there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Iowa. But Iowa, more importantly, they're able to run it off solar and wind, and that's why people like it. Uh, so Andrew, your insight on this has been wonderful. We're glad you could stop by. We know you're here for other business. <laughs> Other work-related business. Um, we had a Mia, uh, Amron. We've talked about Mia on here, Energy Efficiency Investment Act. Amron, uh, I think we just were. We had that case settled, and the Public Service Commission's got to approve the settlement. There was a hearing on that today. Yeah, we hope that they'll approve it uh, here in the near future. Yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, we've also, while you've been in town, talking to other people who are interested in this uh, legislative stuff, and we know there's some good things coming, and we know there might be some bad things coming as far as uh, our little world goes. We learned a little bit about that today, and you'll hear more about it later. Uh, anything you want to plug, Andrew, while you're here? Uh, well, as far as the Ameren programs, we if you are somebody who uh, either works in affordable housing or you are, uh, live in low-income housing or something like that, we've got a big new program coming uh, that'll launch in March. And we're really excited by that at Ameren's Multifamily Low Income Program, assuming, of course, it gets approved. Um, so that that's really going to help people who are living in multifamily buildings, building owners, uh, finally get access to energy efficiency incentives, which they've sort of traditionally been left out of. So we're very excited about that. Obviously, we plugged uh, Ameren's Community Solar Program. Yes. really would urge people to take a look at that and subscribe before the program is uh, maxed out. And we'll do the same thing for KCPNL when we get more details on that. Um, so, yeah, good. Elizabeth, anything you want to share? Uh, subscribe to ReNews. Yes. Donate to our Year and Appeal. Yes. Subscribe and write a review on our podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher. Yep. Yeah. So we want you to share this with people. We want you to, like, spread this because I think we are trying to really educate folks on what we're doing in Jefferson City. I think a lot of people feel like their, you know, their utilities and their power is something they don't have any control over. One of the things that 
we like about third-party purchase power agreements is that's a way to say that you can have some more control over your destiny with that. So exactly. Um, There's also the real council, which you can join for as little as a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you know you won't be able to do plugs with a thousand dollars, but we want to thank U.S. Sun Solar again for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, and so you can uh, you can check this out. We're starting to develop quite a library here, so we hope you do that. And uh, until next time, we'll see you then. And you know. Take care of yourselves and each other.